Thanks for that first part, Pastor Greg. Good morning. My name's Kong. I'm the associate pastor. And this is, if this is your first time with us, Greg and I, we've been doing this neat thing where we both preach. And so he preaches for 15 minutes. I preach for 15 minutes. Um, and we'll be doing this for the next, for the next month or two. And so um, I'm going to continue on our series on guardrails and how that sheds some light into our current series this month, Sex Ed for Adults. And so today's concept of guardrails really resonates with me. Um, it reminds me of my adolescent and, te- um, and, and childhood because my parents set up some guardrails in my life to prevent danger um, during my childhood. And so I was born and raised in the Twin Cities during the 90s. And during the 90s, we know that Hmong gangs were a huge part of the culture here in the Twin Cities. And so a guardrail that my parents set up for me to protect me from being part of um, gang influence, gang activity, was to send me to a private school. Now, some of the things that rubbed up against them were family and friends were like, are you serious? You know, you're paying the same amount of you know, tuition to send your kid to, to grade school, to high school, to middle school, um, as you would be paying for maybe in college. And so that rubbed up against their values of setting these guardrails to protect me and my younger brothers, but they went with it. And thankfully, I was able to avoid gang activity, gang influence, and unfortunately, I know that some of us still experience some repercussions from that. Um, but again, that was a guardrail that was set up for me. And so the concept of guardrails that Pastor Greg talked about, I think it definitely applies to sex ed for adults and what that means in light of learning more about our sexuality, understanding more about our sexuality. Uh, guardrails are vital things that help protect and direct us um, and direct our understanding of sex. And like Pastor said, Pastor Greg had mentioned, unfortunately, I think much of our culture and society frowns on them. Society and culture tells us, why do you need guardrails? That's limiting you from experience life. I reminded a couple years ago, you know, the whole idea of YOLO. You only live once, so why not? You only live once. Forget it, you know, like, I, I could do whatever I want. I think guardrails are there to protect and direct us to understand and experience God's plans for sex. What are your thoughts about guardrails? Do you have guardrails surrounding how you understand sex? If so, what are they? If not, after hearing Pastor Greg's sermon, do you think they're necessary? Do you think you need them? I think regardless if we have them or if we don't have them, God has them. And I hope you're willing to explore what that could look like for us. Again, Christians tend to get a bad rep about how, how we see sex, how, how, Christian, how Christians see sex, because there's so many rules around it. If you were here the first week of our, our series, Pastor Greg read at least 15, 20 verses from Leviticus of, you know, do not have sex with, do not have sex, so and so and so and so. I think that there's rules behind it because God created sex in a very intentional way. So he wants us to fully understand what it is. And so that's why the guardrails are there, so that we can experience sex as God intended it. So let's see what God's guardrails are for sex. One of the best passages that talk about God's guardrails for sex is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. And this morning I'm going to be reading it from the New Living Translation because I think it gives us the clearest understanding. So this is what the Bible says. Run from sexual sin. 
No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with the high price. So you must honor God with your body. So before we dive into the passage, let me give you some quick background behind um, this passage and what we're talking about. So the author of this letter was, is Paul, the same guy who wrote Ephesians that Pastor Greg had mentioned. And he wrote it to this, this church in a city called Corinth. Now a major concern that Paul addressed was that the church in Corinth had a misunderstanding about God. The church believed that the person's spirit was the only good thing about them and the body was evil. So this caused people to believe in one of two things. The first thing were people who thought that because their bodies were evil and everything physical was evil, they deprived themselves, literally deprived themselves from food, from drink, from alcohol, from sex. And so they would try to go for days without eating, days without eating. They would abstain from sex, thinking that in doing that, that would make them right with God. They saw that the spirit was the more important aspect of who they were, and so they abstained from all those things. On the flip side, you had some people who, who were like, okay, you know, if the body's evil, the spirit's good, shoot, I could do whatever I want. And these were the Corinthians. And so they overindulged in eating. They overindulged in drinking. They overindulged in experiencing sex. In some ways, I think this also reflects much of the society and culture that we're currently. So Paul writes this letter to the Corinthian church to correct their misunderstanding. Paul is telling the Corinthians that there is an important and vital connection between the body and the spirit. They're not separate, they are together. So let's dive into the passage. Paul begins by saying, run from sexual sin. Now I said NLT, the New Living Translation gives us the clearest understanding. I'm going to quickly go back to the NIV, the New International Version, to borrow a, a very unique word of how they translate it. And so instead of saying run from sexual sin, in the NIV it says flee from sexual sin. Now flee is a word that we might recognize because it sometimes describes the refugee experience that some of our, our parents went, went through. Flee conveys this idea that you're in danger and you need to find safety because something terrible is happening. Paul is telling the Corinthian church to flee from sexual sin because it's dangerous. Sexual sin is dangerous because it involves anything that is hurting, stealing from, or dishonoring another person in a sexual way. Another important component of sexual sin is this. When Paul talks about sexual sin, he's talking about anything that we experience sexually outside of a consensual heterosexual marriage. So if you're experiencing sex outside the context of a heterosexual marriage, God, God considers that to be sexual sin. So how can someone be hurting, stealing from, or dishonoring another person when they're experiencing sex outside of a heterosexual marriage? I'll explain that in just a little bit when we get to the next part of the passage. And who's not to say that you can't hurt, steal from, or dishonor your spouse? Because you certainly can. 
And I'll get to that a little later too. So Paul's guardrail for us to protect us from misusing sex is to run from it, to flee from it. And the next part is the reason why. So in the next verse, this is what Paul says. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual morality is a sin against your own body. Paul is saying that sexual sin affects us differently from other sins. Some of the sins that we struggle with can be reversible. Take, for example, some of the things that the Corinthian church were struggling with, overeating, overindulging food, and alcohol. If we overindulge in food or alcohol, we can change by cutting back on it, becoming sober, losing weight, working it off. Sexual sin, it's a little different. Let me first start off by saying this. Sexual sin can be forgiven. When Jesus died, Jesus died on the cross for us, sexual sin is forgiven. The difference between sexual sin and other sins is this. Sexual sin can be forgiven, but some effects of sexual sin can never be undone. Let me say that again. Sexual sin can be forgiven, but some effects of sexual sin can never be undone. Memories, emotions, and attachments stay with us for life. Memories, emotions, and attachments stay with the person who experienced sex with us for the rest of their life. Paul understands that sex has unique effects on a person because sex is the most intimate and vulnerable relationships among humans. So sex should be reserved for the most permanent of interpersonal commitments, which is marriage. Sexual sins can cause us and the person we experience sex with to experience mental and emotional scars. So that's how it's a sin against our own body. And that's why we need guardrails. Lastly, Paul finishes up the passage by saying, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Paul says that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've ever seen the cathedrals in, in the local Twin Cities or have traveled to different parts of the world and see temples, temples, there's usually a sense of sacredness in them. There's something really special, something really important. So temples are sacred things. And Paul compares us to temples, which means we are sacred people. And we are sacred. Paul's making a connection here that our body and our spirit, they're both important. So although, so that, so, so, it connects that when we believe in God, we also, our actions must also reflect our belief in God. Remember earlier how I told you the Corinthians believed that the body was evil and the spirit was good? Again, Paul's making the connection here that both the body and spirit are good, especially in light of what Jesus Christ did for us. Therefore, again, we need those guardrails to protect us. 
You see, when we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. And the Holy Spirit's responsibilities in our lives, the Holy Spirit's responsibilities in our lives are to teach us, convict us, comfort us, and counsel us. And the Holy Spirit is doing all these things to restore us to a complete and redeemed version of us. So the understanding that the Corinthians had was wrong. We shouldn't think that we are at liberty to do whatever we want because God is indeed restoring us to the best versions of us, our spirit and our body. Paul ends his thoughts reminding the Corinthians that our bodies are indeed important because Jesus died for us. He died to save our souls and our bodies. So our response to that is to honor God with our body in all we do, including sex. So what does this new information mean to you? Does it make you consider, or maybe even reconsider, guardrails around sex? When you experience sex like how the Corinthians experienced it, you're missing out on God's intentional plan for it. Ultimately, it's also saying that your plan for sex is better than God's plan for sex. And that's dangerous. It's dangerous because ultimately it's saying that I'm God because I know what's best. The guardrail for sex that God sets up for us is telling us to, God, to trust God's plans for us. The Corinthians were overindulging in sex, which probably means they probably didn't find any satisfaction in it at all. God tells us to set guardrails for sex so that we can find satisfaction. So in light of all this, what could guardrails look like for you? Well, you might think these are kind of old or silly or maybe countercultural or maybe even stupid. And that's okay. But here are some of my thoughts of what guardrails could look like. Let's start off with married people. Like I said earlier, even though you are married, you can still hurt, steal from, and dishonor each other with sex. So here's some ideas of how you can set guardrails for yourself and your spouse. Don't travel alone with members of the opposite sex. This could apply to work, leisure activities. If you have to travel with them, if you have to travel alone with members of the opposite sex, tell your spouse. Let your coworkers know that you have guardrails. Sometimes simply speaking it helps to spell the concerns of crossing those boundaries, of crossing those guardrails. Letting others know that I have guardrails can simply stop it right there. This is something that I've, been, I've had a chance to have discussions with with some of the leaders at River Life. I've had discussions with Tommy, with Greg about this, of how we should, have, how we should go about ministering to everybody and have guardrails so that we can protect ourselves, our spouses, and each other. The next guardrail that we have is don't eat alone with members of the opposite sex. I think sometimes being isolated with, with, in, in, any, in any situations, especially with the opposite sex, it allows room, it allows space for us to cross boundaries, for us to cross guardrails, for us to get into danger. And so don't eat, alone, don't eat alone with members of the opposite sex. Don't confide in or counsel members of the opposite sex. Instead, I think the best thing you could do is get them help. Don't be their help. 
And plus, many of us aren't counselors anyways. And so point them to where they can get help. When you feel your heart or your desire drifting toward a specific person, tell someone. Tell your spouse. Again, I think this is just setting you up so that just speaking that I have guardrails can dispel any concerns of crossing those boundaries. If you're married, you should know where your spouse would look like would look your would would like your guardrails to be. Let me say that again. If you are married, you should know where your spouse would like your guardrails to be. And so ask your wife, ask your husband, where would you like my guardrails to be? Have that communication with them. For single people, I think you can also apply the married people's guardrails in your relationships with married people, with single people. And because you're not married, instead of talking to your spouse because you don't have one, talk to someone else who can talk to someone who can be accountable who can keep you in check, who you can trust, that will ask you those hard questions. You can find the people who will support you. This is a reminder that all these things aren't meant to limit us, but guardrails for sex are to protect and direct us to understand and experience God's plan for us. Again, this may sound extreme, maybe even countercultural, again, maybe even stupid, but honestly, I don't think we'll ever regret the decision if we set up guardrails and we were to look back 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now and realize, gosh, I'm so glad I set up those guardrails. Come May, I'll be married for 12 years and Peng and I have set up some guardrails. And I look back to the last 11 years and I haven't. Um, I haven't regretted any of the guardrails that we've set up. It's helped make my relationship better. I think we would be glad that we, to, to be able to experience sex in the way that God intended us to, rather than tearing our hearts into pieces, or maybe even becoming so numb to intimacy because we are overindulging in sex. Imagine the joy that we could experience of knowing, um, knowing that God's guardrails for sex is for us to experience the truest form of intimacy, to experience the sensation of knowing someone so deeply and being known just as deeply. And guardrails, I believe, set us up for that. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for the reminder that you give us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20, and in Ephesians, to have guardrails in our lives. God, the culture tells us to experience life. YOLO, to do whatever I want to do. And God, you intended us to experience the world, to experience sex, to experience relationships in a very certain way. And I trust that you're not limiting any of those, but you're setting us up so that we can experience all those things to the fullest. And so help us understand the joys that you have in store for us, that you're not limiting us, that you're not holding us back. Speak to us the guardrails that you would want us to set in our lives. Thank you, and we just pray and lift this all up in your name, Lord.